You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Mitch Kupchak made himself available to the media on Tuesday. We are going to delve into uh, that 35-minute press conference from Mitch Kupchak and look at the good, the bad, and possibly some ugly. And so we're going to do a little back and forth. We're going to do a be upset with, don't be upset with, back and forth throughout today's episode. This is Hive Hoops, your host Joshua Balta coming at you. Jumping right in. Let's, <laughs> so Mitch Kupchak, Man, he's polarizing within Charlotte because he's a former champion. He orchestrated the Kobe Shaq era in L.A. He comes to Charlotte. He's a big name, coupled with Michael Jordan. There were a lot of expectations, right, with Mitch Kupchak. And there was some excitement going into last offseason because it felt like this fan base was finally going to make those swings in order to really vault themselves into, you know, a solidified Eastern Conference playoff contention conversation. Obviously, we know what, what took place last summer. It did not occur. And the inaction of Mitch Kupchak started to, you know, grow amongst the fan base that there was some frustration towards him in those times throughout all of last offseason. A lot of people, now there were some that showed grace, like what what are you supposed to do with everything that took place last summer? But then also look at the offseason. You've got to do something. We can't just sit here and expect to be competitive. I mean, let alone make the playoffs, but just be competitive next year by not doing anything. We saw how the season played out. We heard from the Hornets players. We heard from Steve Clifford on Monday. Now hearing from Mitch Kupchak. A lot of people wanted to hear what his thoughts were on the on the season. He was a giant promoter of... We won 43 games last season. I expect us to be better than that, although there really wasn't any evidence or any action to back that up. Hornets lost their leading rebounder, leading uh, point score in Miles Bridges and replaced it with nothing. And so there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, evidence that this team was going to be better. Yet he stated that quite often uh, during the summer, during the early parts of the season. And so we heard from him yesterday. Like I said, we're going to do a be upset with, don't be upset with back and forth. So we're going to start with a don't be upset with. Okay? Don't be upset with. Mitch Kupchak's remarks about Mark Williams. I personally like that Mitch Kupchak did not come out and say, oh, yeah, Mark Williams is our starter. Now, some people may want to hear that confidence instilled in the young big. I don't. 
Mark Williams hasn't achieved anything in the NBA. Yeah, he had a great season, all right? Well, he had a great second half of the season, right? Once he assumed regular minutes, once he assumed the starting role, he had a great second half of the season for the Charlotte Hornets. Could be argued he had a great first half, too, learning the game in Greensboro, developing all of those things. But he had a good second half of the season with the Charlotte Hornets. But he hasn't achieved anything. Mark Williams isn't a finished product by any means. And so I like Mitch Kupchak challenging him. We, you know, I spoke of LaMelo challenging the organization back on Monday when he said, yeah, I love it in Charlotte, but, you know, we're just going to take it day by day. I'm not really looking, you know, to solidify or, you know, agree. I'm paraphrasing, of course, to anything long-term in Charlotte currently. Just going to take it day by day. It was as if LaMelo was challenging the organization, like, hey, we've got to do some things. What we currently have constructed, we've tried it. Although this past season, I don't I don't think it's as bad as what this past season indicated. But there still need to be moves made. I mean, if you're looking to become a top six seed in the Eastern Conference, moves have to be made. And so LaMelo challenging the organization. I don't mind Mitch Kupchak throwing that challenge right back at Mark Williams, saying, hey, we need you to work this summer. We need you to continue to strive to get better. We're not just handing you a starting position. Nick Richards has shown improvement each and every year. That's why we extended him. That's why he's on a three-year, $15 million deal. Because the, the team believes in him. He has continued to grow. He's an older player who has matured and shown the work ethic. Mark Williams needs to follow in those footsteps. Much younger than Nick Richards. Nick Richards is, what, 25, going to be 25? Mark Williams, much younger than Nick, uh, than Nick Richards, needs to show work ethic. He needs to show, you know, improvement this offseason on different aspects of his game. I like that. There's no reason to be upset with this. Mitch Kupchak did zero wrong here. Don't be upset with this. I know that there's a lot of frustration in the fan base towards Mitch Kupchak. This ain't, this ain't it. This, this isn't the thing to be upset with him about. Okay? Now, something to be upset with him about. Mitch Kupchak, once again, leaned heavily into the current roster, saying that, you know, the infrastructure is in place around LaMelo. Uh, I guess another thing not to be upset about, Mitch Kupchak clearly spoke of LaMelo Ball as being the franchise centerpiece, right? And so in past seasons, in past interviews, there's still been some of this, well, Gordon Hayward's our best player. Well, Terry Rozier's our, our leader. Um, LaMelo Ball is a talented player. Uh, LaMelo Ball is our all-star, but there were still, you know, these comments about other guys. Yesterday, Mitch Kupchak spoke 
of LaMelo Ball as being the franchise cornerstone. And so for all of the people who have gone at Mitch Kupchak in the past by not giving those 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 comments of support and throwing you know the franchise on the shoulders of LaMelo Ball he did that yesterday. LaMelo Ball, Mitch Kupchak firmly believes that he is the guy in which everything has to be built around currently. Okay. So anybody, so that's another one. Don't be upset about it. You need to be happy about that because that's what you've been clamoring for. Everything that I've seen from this fan base, that's what you've wanted. You finally got it. Be, be excited about that. The part that you should be upset with. And that is worrisome to me. And to hopefully everybody who heard it, Mitch Kupchak heavily believes that the infrastructure on this team is in place and semi, I mean, he didn't go into great detail, but pretty much without explicitly saying it, confirmed that most of this roster construction this offseason is already on the roster. And so, oh, this is the frustrating part about Mitch Kupchak because I've stated in recent episodes, I believe that the Charlotte Hornets are in a much better position than most would like to believe. I truly believe that. But there still have to be moves made. What LaMelo was getting at on Monday about how he's going to take his time and you know really applying some pressure to this franchise, to this front office. Those moves have to start being made. You have to start consolidating. And so while I believe that there are some good pieces on this team, just as obviously that Mitch Kupchak believes, things have to begin a consolidation process. You cannot bring all of these guys back next season and expect this team to just vault into top six realm unless you strike on Wimby, maybe. You could keep everything in place. You strike on Wimby, he becomes, you know, half of what people believe he can be, the two-way force that he can be. Maybe in that scenario, you can get away with it, but then still your ceiling isn't true contender in the East, even at that point, right? So there has to be a consolidation process going on, or I don't know what we're doing. We have too many guards. We have a log jam at the guard position. Um, We don't have enough impact wing players. I think you have to bring P.J. Washington back, and I think that that's where Mitch – rests currently as well but the comment about not going big fish hunting during free agency I don't even really get upset about that because when you look at the free agent market you got James Harden you have Kyrie Irving you have Draymond Green you know those are your big guys uh Porzingis those are your guys at the top of the free agent market. And 
I don't think Charlotte's in play for any of those guys. Want nothing to do with Kyrie at this point. I, I mean, James Harden would be the best player in Charlotte and to ever wear a Charlotte Hornets uniform if he were to come to Charlotte. But at his age, what you'd have to, you know, agree to with him, the money you'd have to throw at him, like it doesn't make sense. We have our point guard, right? And so it really doesn't make sense to swing. And so if Mitch Kupchak is looking at those names and saying, yeah, we're not really in play for those guys, I'm fine with that. The problem that I have is maybe that next tier or even the third tier free agents. There are some players that you could add that could raise the ceiling of this team that would give you more steady play. And I'm worried that those guys may not even be on Mitch Kupchak's radar because he just seems to believe that free agency doesn't exist in Charlotte. <laughs> like, it's draft or bust in Charlotte. And, you know, it on yesterday's episode, so we've put out an episode each day this week. So Monday we did, you know, our end of the season review here at Hive Hoops. Yesterday we had uh, Jerry uh, Danasian from Clutch Points on in order to talk about exit interviews from players and Steve Clifford. And then now we have today's episode as well. So we got a lot of content coming out. It's going to continue like this all uh, summer long. Not each day, right? We're not going to go daily. But there's been a lot of things coming out, you know, at the end of the season. And so that's why. And I've had time. Um, I'm going to continue trying to do, you know, at least two episodes a week. Maybe, you know, one really good, solid, uh, you know, maybe hour, hour plus episode per week over the off season. But in saying so on yesterday's episode with Jerry Danasian, we talked about which players should be brought back next season. And you can't bring all of these guys back and expect to have a jump or take a massive leap next season, because you already have so many players on the books Guaranteed, you have multiple of your young players. Bryce McGowan's just inked a new deal. Nick Richards just inked his new deal. Uh, Terry Rozier is in, what, year two of a four-year deal, right? Gordon Hayward will be on an expiring, so that's good. Maybe you can move him. I think that everybody in the fan base can hopefully agree on the fact that Gordon Hayward needs to be moved. Uh, you, although the production he does provide when healthy, he can't stay healthy. All right. He's got to be moved. Um, and then you got PJ's upcoming contract. You Kai's under contract book nights under contract. Uh, you have decisions on Kelly Oubre and Dennis Smith jr. And Teo Maladon and Svee. Uh Mark Williams is under contract, obviously. Uh, you just got a lot of guys under contract and then some decisions to be made. You can't bring all of these guys back. And there are some guys in the free agent market. We're going to have episodes in the future about the free agent market. Uh, you'll get a little sneak peek into my thoughts today. I'm about to rattle a few off to you. But we'll have full episodes on the free agent market coming up. But there are some guys there that are – 
in my eyes, clear improvements over some of the players that are currently rostered. And so not using the free agent pool as a means to better your team, I don't understand. And so if Mitch Kupchak fully believes in the current roster and that you could essentially run this thing back with one or two rookies added into the mix, that's worrisome. I I, <laughs> I mean, it, it's more than worrisome. Uh, I mean, it was all over Twitter yesterday. It was all over social media. I was reading all of your guys' comments, your quote tweets. There's some there's some frustration, and I get it. I get it. Um, When you look at the free agent market, just going to kind of delve into that real quick. I think your first free agent that makes sense for the Hornets where you could see improvement, the first player that could be a real possibility would be I say real possibility. The way that Mitch Kupchak speaks, there's no way that it would be a real possibility. But the first player that I see would plug into Charlotte and fit this roster immediately day one is Jeremy Grant. Now, uh, supposedly Jeremy Grant was, you know, looking for a four-year, $112 million deal. I mean, that's putting him roughly in that 20 to $25 million range. He wanted a little bit more than that, actually. Uh, I think he's looking for 25 to 30 mil a year. I, I That would be difficult. That would be really difficult to stomach coming off of, I mean, in that sense, you're guessing that maybe Terry Rozier's move, maybe Gordon Hayward has moved to clear that money and make room for Jeremy Grant. I wanted Jeremy Grant uh, back in 2020 when the Hornets signed Gordon Hayward for 30 mil. Jeremy Grant signed his contract with the Detroit Pistons at the time for 20 mil per year. It was a three-year, $60 million deal. That's who I wanted. I was pretty heavily on that um, acquisition. Obviously, the Hornets never went that route. I still believe that Jeremy Grant, uh, with a more defined role, uh, more defensively minded, and maybe that you know 3-and-D type guy, He's athletic, he's long, he would be immediately he would become the best wing defender on the Charlotte Hornets. I like that addition, but that may be too costly. Another name, Dylan Brooks. Uh I mean, say what you will about his attitude on the floor. Um I think we need a little bit of that in Charlotte. And yeah, Maybe sometimes it's excessive, but at this point, this team needs to become a little nastier. They need to show some dog. They need to show uh, you know a little you know a little pushback. I I wouldn't mind going after a Dylan Brooks once again. Wing defender immediately would become the Hornets' top defensive option on the wing. We need that. Um, I. I think he's more so in that range that Charlotte could. I mean, if you're going to pay Kelly Oubre 13, 14, 15 million, I don't think Dylan Brooks is really going to command more than that. I I, I mean, you're looking at PJ Washington in that fifth, 
not 15 mil anymore, probably that 18 to 20 mil per year range. I mean, Dylan Brooks, is he, he's not better than PJ, not in my mind. He's on a better team. He's a part of a better franchise with more talent around him than the Charlotte Hornets currently have. But, I mean, his shooting really dips him down offensively. He gives you what he gives you defensively, but I think he's in that realm with with Kelly Oubre. I I would rather have Dylan Brooks than Kelly Oubre. There, that's one. I think your roster improves. I think you become a better team. I think you get some nastiness about you that you don't currently have. As as great of a leader as Kelly was on this team, as much as he has voiced, you know his position of wanting to come back to Charlotte. Uh, just, I'd rather have Dylan Brooks. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Uh, Cam Johnson, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, so ultimately the Brooklyn Nets will have final say. So just like the Charlotte Hornets will on PJ Washington. Uh, I think Cam Johnson would be a great addition. He provides an elite skill in his three point shooting. Uh, I think that would be a great fit on this Hornets team. He's a lengthy wing uh, who can guard. Um, So I like that addition as well. I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to prioritize bringing him back, though. I would if he was on my roster. And so maybe that's not really into play either. But then you also have these last two names, Harrison Barnes, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, maybe not so much because he's more of a two-guard. With his defensive capabilities, he could probably play the three, but then he's still going to be an undersized three. And so if the Hornets don't pursue Bruce Brown, I get it, just because of the log jam they already have at the one and two. Uh, But he could be a cheaper option for the Hornets there. And then Harrison Barnes, I don't foresee Harrison Barnes receiving a giant payday. Um Maybe he falls I, – I, I think he's another player that's in that – I think he'll get over 20, but that's another player. I mean, if we're, if we're picking over a couple mil, I mean, the Hornets don't bring back Spee. They don't bring back Teo. They don't bring back Kelly. You combine all of those monies, and you should possibly be able to go out and get a Harrison Barnes, and I would rather have Harrison Barnes over Kelly Oubre once again. That's another guy that I'd rather have. And so I think I think that's an improvement. He'll have some playoff experience. I mean, we see we, we know he has that from the Warrior days, okay? He's going to gain more playoff uh experience this season with the Sacramento Kings playing big minutes against his former team in the Golden State Warriors at least in round 1. I'd rather have Harrison Barnes on my team than Kelly Oubre. I just would. And so when Mitch Kupchak, I know, so we kind of gave you like a mini free agent, you know, kind of my initial thoughts on the free agent market, right? When Mitch Kupchak says we're going to prioritize the guys that are currently rostered and we're going to spend most of our monies on the players that we already have, it's it's just worrisome. I, I, I don't know. If there's another way to put it, like it just sounds like the same thing that we've heard. We've we've put off the center position for 
multiple seasons now under Mitch Kupchak. And then now it just seems like we continue to put off, you know, the free agent market. Now go jumping and plunging headfirst into Gordon Hayward. No, it didn't work. And so, you know, maybe Mitch Kupchak, you know, he did do that. He did go big, you know, game hunting on the free agent market when signing Gordon Hayward. It hasn't worked. And so maybe that maybe he's fearful. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Oh man, in order to bring somebody back, we're we're gonna have to overpay him. We're gonna have to, you know, get over 20 mil. We're gonna have to get 25, 30 mil to bring somebody back. Will it be another Gordon Hayward uh situation? I don't want that. And I get that. But you've got to improve this roster. We've got to consolidate some of this, uh some of these young players. We've got to consolidate some of these things. And so be upset with that. I get it. There's some concern there that we're just going to run this thing back. There's going to be another year where LaMelo, yeah, he has Mark Williams. I think that's something to be excited about. But then he's going to be playing alongside, what, Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, Gordon Hayward, whenever he's healthy, P.J. Washington, and that's essentially your starting five again. Maybe you throw in a rookie in that top four, top five range who can crack the starting lineup or the rotation. Hopefully, I mean, if you're a Wimby, like I said, you can gloss over a lot of things. But, man, it's – I get the frustration. I do. I do. Um, Let's let's move back to don't be upset, though. All right? That was a a long be upset with. Let's go with don't be upset with. Mitch did make mention of a possible – savvy trade in quotations he also mentioned not using all of the draft picks multiple times throughout his interview multiple times he said now how many of those draft picks are we really going to use i mean we'll see and he made mention of that multiple times throughout his media availability And so this savvy trade, be excited about that because this is an instance where we can see Mitch Kupchak also mentioned he praised the scouting department for their second-round gems over the past few seasons. We all know about that. It's been well-documented here on Hive Hoops how much uh, Mitch slaps in the second round. The scouting department hits on the second-rounders, turning Devontae Graham into a first-round pick. Uh, Cody Martin getting an extension because he's worked his way into that. Uh, Jalen McDaniels being moved for a better second-round pick. Um, Bryce McGowan's already signing an extension here in Charlotte during his rookie season. Second-round gems all throughout the Mitch Kupchak era in Charlotte. He also stated that they've heavily looked into the end of the first round and early second round for this upcoming draft. So, he alluded to the fact that the Hornets feel really good about the end of first round, beginning of the second round. This is something to be excited about because what the, this opens up options. What you could have here, the Hornets have Denver's pick, which lands at 27. So the Hornets will have pick 27 and 34. They also have a couple picks in the 40s, possibly another one in the late 30s but prior to pick 45. 
The Hornets have five draft selections within the top 45 in this upcoming uh, NBA draft. We all know the one at the top of the first. We all know about the bottom, the one at the bottom of the first, Denver's pick. And then you have three seconds, one being pick 34. If you have multiple guys that you like in that 25 to 35 range, the Hornets can package these picks. I've talked about this on prior episodes. I'm going to get into this the closer we get to the draft. Once we know the exact position of the Hornets, whether they fall one or three or six, wherever it may be with that lottery pick, once we know the Hornets have options, if the Hornets land at three or four, they may package three, four, and 27 in order to move up to two. Maybe you got a team that really likes Brandon Miller and the Hornets really like Scoot. Maybe they move up to two and take Scoot, right? Or maybe the Hornets land one. They get Wimby, right? Now you have options all throughout the draft because now you may be ready to go big game hunting as Mitch Kupchak did not want to do. All of a sudden, you feeling like you're playing with house money now that you landed a guy like Wimby or Scoot who can come in day one and find minutes on this team, find big minutes, meaningful minutes on this team. All of a sudden, you package 27 with with maybe pick 38 and pick 43. You keep pick 34, all right? You draft another young guy in order to develop and things like that because you don't want to lose sight of your youth, but you package the Denver pick with the other two uh, lower second-round picks and you go out and you bring somebody in because this savvy trade that he mentions. Maybe you link Gordon Hayward to that number 27 pick, and so now you're sending someone, Gordon Hayward, and the 27th pick for another player in exchange that can come in, you know, small forward, you know, defensive-minded, can score, three and D type player, you know, one of those type guys. I don't have anybody just coming to mind. We're definitely going to delve into that during the summer as well, different possibilities with these draft picks. But making that savvy trade, that is something to be excited about that Mitch Kupchak mentioned yesterday. So for the lack of interest that he seemingly has in the free agent market, The mention of this, quote, savvy trade, that should get the juices flowing. That should get, that should have some, uh, you know, excitement welling up inside of you when you hear that. Uh, Be upset with, back to that. This Miles Bridges garbage, man. I mean, it just continues to extend. We're going to, we're going to head into our second straight offseason with the Charlotte Hornets not having any idea of what is going on with Miles Bridges. And the fact that the Miles Bridges situation could possibly hijack and hold hostage another Charlotte Hornets offseason, I'm going to lose my mind. And you should too. If Miles Bridges holds another Charlotte Hornets offseason hostage, I'm going to lose it. 
One, because I don't even really want him back on the team. Okay? I just don't. I've stated that before on prior episodes. If you want to go back and you want to listen, uh, the first 10 episodes of Hive Hoops, we went into depth about our feelings towards Miles Bridges, all of the things. From a Charlotte Hornets standpoint, I get bringing a guy like Miles Bridges back because, I mean, you set yourself back so much from a basketball standpoint, not moral standpoint, but from a basketball on the court standpoint, you set yourself back when you hit on a first round pick and he's, I mean, he's your second best player behind LaMelo Ball and then you just lose him for nothing. You didn't trade him. He wasn't in a trade with any other team. He wasn't in a, you know, a sign and trade where he's moved to another team and you receive assets in return. You just lost him. There aren't many teams in the NBA who just lose their second best player any given year. It doesn't happen because there's some kind of return that comes back. And so this has put the Charlotte Hornets behind the eight ball easily. And so from a on-the-court basketball standpoint, that's the part that's frustrating. But the fact that we that, that it's going to be past July 1st and the Charlotte Hornets still aren't going to really have a clear view of what is going on with Miles Bridges's Bridges, Bridges, Bridges situation. I mean, tired of it, man. Uh, just, just tired of it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Depending upon how the league views and reviews Miles Bridges's case, it might be 2024-2025 season before Miles Bridges ever sets foot on an NBA court again. That's what's crazy about this, because once he signs a contract, once he signs a deal, because currently he's out of the league technically, Charlotte maintains his rights, but technically he's out of the league currently. Once he signs and inks a new deal, then the NBA will come in and slap a suspension on him. Now, they may take into account, hey, he missed all of last season already with this because of this situation. We're going to give him another 25 games. We're going to give him another 40 games. They could come in here and say, year-long suspension. He's gone for another 82. And so depending upon how they review this and how they weigh the time that he's already missed with how much more time they believe that he needs to miss, if they want to send a message, if they really want to take a strong stance on this. I mean, he could miss an entire season once again. And at that point, is it even worth having Miles Bridges on your team? He will have been out of the league for two seasons. He's going to be coming back, not playing against NBA talent. Yeah, maybe he has some run. Maybe he has some workouts on the side in Miami, L.A., you know, wherever. But it's not the same. It's not the same. And so at that point, is he more than likely going to be a shell of himself? Is he going to return to near all-star level play? I don't think so. 
I mean, he's still young, but I mean, you can't just take off two years. In the, he's not Michael Jordan. He's not Michael Jordan. And so when we bring up this Miles Bridges situation, this also has to come into play. Is it even worth it at this point? It sucks. The Charlotte Hornets got screwed by my, by Miles Bridges, possibly losing their second best player for nothing. Nothing. Be upset about that. Be upset about that. Be upset that this entire situation has held this team back and might do it for a second offseason when they are trying to decide what exactly to do. All right, I'm off that, right? I was getting worked up there because this that pisses me off. It really pisses me off, the Miles Bridges situation. All of it, from a moral standpoint, from a fan standpoint, from someone who produces content for the team or on the team, it just it pisses me off. Just the whole spectrum of it. Don't be upset with. We're going to end it kind of in a lighter tone. Don't be upset with Mitch Kupchak entirely, right? And maybe this is a low bar. It is. I'm not even going to say maybe it is. This is a low bar, so maybe this is just more sad than it is. Don't be upset with Mitch Kupchak. But he sang Mason Plumlee's praises about his career year this season with the Charlotte Hornets, yet still acknowledged that Mason Plumley was not part of the Charlotte Hornets' future, which was, I mean, we all knew this already. When he made the trade, that signified, yes, okay, Mitch Kupchak, he's paying attention. He's not being enamored by these numbers that Mason Plumley's all of a sudden, uh, you know, picking up. He didn't get lost in that, which is the sign of a good GM because – some people, I mean, even in the fan base, some people were like, you know what, Mason Plumlee, I wouldn't mind bringing him back as a backup. No, no. And so Mitch Kupchak, even yesterday, he said, now, did I want Mason Plumlee back? No. He was very blunt about it. I was like, okay, hell yeah. Let's go, Mitch. Because he knew that that, that wasn't a part of the Charlotte Hornets' future. And so it's a low bar, but the fact that he moved off of Mason does – demonstrate that Mitch Kupchak isn't being enamored by numbers or by certain intangibles. You know, we talked about how Mason, you know, he had more confidence and that started flowing into the other guys when he started shooting free throws left-handed. It gave him more confidence in the rest of his game to attack. And he was always more of a willing passer, um, kicking it out in the paint, finding somebody on the, on the perimeter. But all of a sudden, he started attacking more because he wasn't such a liability at the free throw line, right? So it changed his entire game. He even saw some, uh, you know, improvements defensively because of his confidence offensively. But I mean, it's good to see, it, you know. And so recognizing that Mason had his career year, also the moving Jalen, consolidating there. We need more of that, though. Okay, I'm going to leave this episode with we need more consolidation. We had some good things that we saw at the end of the season. We have multiple guys under uh, contract. JT Thor, uh, that was a guy that I forgot to mention earlier. I needed to throw him out there. Seen some really good improvements uh, from him. 
We heard Steve Clifford, you know, talk him up on Monday. We need more consolidation. And so I, I would like the Hornets to jump into the free agent market. I'd like to see them. I mean, I'm good with bringing Kelly back, but also at the same time, if you can go out and you can get Harrison Barnes or a Dylan Brooks for roughly the same amount as you would bring Kelly Oubre back, man, give me Dylan Brooks, give me Harrison Barnes. I'd rather have that over Kelly Oubre. All right, so that's why I'm kind of still divided on Kelly Oubre. I know a couple episodes back I was like, you know what, bring him back. Yeah, if you're not going to do elsewhere things with that money, then yes, bring him back. But if there are options available, do that. If there's a savvy trade out there, consolidate. The number one word that comes to mind after hearing Mitch Kupchak speak yesterday that I would like to see this Hornets front office uh, display, consolidate. Consolidate. Thanks for jumping on another episode of Hive Hoops. Going to be bringing you all kinds of content throughout this Hornets offseason. Be sure to follow, subscribe, rate, review, all of the things. You guys know what to do. We'll catch you next time right here at Hive Hoops. Adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The lead. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.